0: Good afternoon. I'm Meryl April, partner at CM Murray, a specialist employment law and partnership firm based in the heart of the city, but currently, of course, practicing from our various respective homes. I'm here with my colleague Louise O'Connor, an associate in our firm, and we're delighted to be joined today by Matt Nixon. Matt has extensive experience in the field of executive leadership and talent management and has worked for a wide range of organizations, both here and in the US, including Shell, Barclays, and what was then Towers Pering. Matt is currently a partner at Stork & May, a firm of advisors, coaches, and mentors to the most senior executives at times of career change. We're recording this podcast towards the end of July 2020, when COVID-19 has made significant impacts on the way people work. Since lockdown began last March, we've been advising employers and executives on lots of aspects from furloughing to employee wellbeing to remote working considerations, and most recently looking at restructure through administration and issues arising on insolvency. Recently, we published an article regarding certain queries that we regularly receive at this time from senior executives. And today we're going to discuss just one of those strands in further detail. How can you, as a senior executive, protect yourself if your company or partnership is proposing
1: or implementing a restructure? The current pandemic has seen increased numbers of business restructures, whether caused by the COVID-19 crisis or in many cases accelerated by it. It has been said that this is the time for big, bold moves. While there are undoubtedly going to be negative consequences for businesses and individuals, we are some positive impacts too. Matt, in your experience, what are some of the positive and negative impacts you've seen as a result of company restructures? Do you think there may be any difference in those impacts as a result of the restructure being driven by or taking place during a pandemic?
2: Some of the changes are, you know, the same as you would expect in any restructuring. So some things have been accelerated by COVID. So generally speaking, we're seeing sort of rather braver, probably more strategic changes being made by a number of companies. And that means there's perhaps higher risk, uh, but possibly greater reward. And obviously there's uh, profound negatives, particularly for people who may be affected. And your job changes or or you're asked to leave the organisation It can be individually easier to bear, uh, reputationally easier, and of course there may be advantages.
0: One of the things we've spent many hours doing in lockdown is analysing these issues with individuals and helping them to design a strategy to exit on the best possible terms. This is particularly sensitive, I think, where as a head of a team, you're partially responsible for the proposed change or where you have fiduciary or regulatory responsibilities. But as Matt has said, there are definite opportunities which are provided by this situation.
1: Many senior executives will be required to implement a restructure in their company. We often advise senior management on the correct way to conduct this reorganisation from an employment law perspective, so as to minimise legal risk, such as ensuring appropriate consultation occurs and a fair process is carried out. There are, however, more nuanced approaches that senior management will often seek advice on. One aspect of the process which has been unavoidably altered as a result of COVID is communications. Matt, what can senior management do to ensure that staff communications continue to be productive and as efficient as possible for the business and employees?
2: One of the things we've all discussed in in preparing for this uh, session was there can be some tension between one's legal obligations and a strict reading of the law and HR good practice and some of the, the canny ways of behaving that uh, experienced leaders sometimes are able to get away with, shall we say, for the greater good. Because if you're being very, very pedantic about some aspects of consultation, you are unable to tell people the thing they most want to know, which is what's going to happen to me. So bear in mind, there's two major constituencies at the end of the day. There's going to be people who are going to leave the organisation and people who are going to stay and you want to do a good job for both, know how they're going to be treated and, and know that they're going to be looked after in a way that will ultimately mean they'll, they'll land again and be okay. And for the remain being treated right, but also know that they themselves haven't actually lost out by staying and therefore are in a good place as well. You're going to have to take some people aside at some points and, and tell them things in confidence and perhaps even take a risk in doing that. But at the same time, you, you you have to stay on the right side of the law. So these are quite challenging times and we find quite stressful times for those leading these changes.
0: I think that's right. I think in recent times, often people have been frightened to have those private sort of fireside chat type conversations. And obviously, when you're over Zoom and Teams and all unable to have that chat over dinner or, or have a private conversation at the not at the water cooler, but somewhere more private, it it is a lot more difficult. But I do think there's a real challenge to grasping that nettle and not allowing yourself to become isolated whether you're implementing the change or on the receiving end of it. And we've continued to see poor communication that creates legal risk. For example, only this week saw some very experienced administrators writing to the chairman of the company and Quoting the wrong clause in a contract. That sort of thing, there's no excuse for really. But some of the basics still apply, and you still need to take time to check the contract, refer to the correct clause, take into account personal circumstances. We've seen other examples of women on maternity leave being made redundant without any thought that they have special protection, or a failure to consult adequately by truncating a process. People trying to avoid consulting over criteria because they think that will be embarrassing or awkward or difficult. But actually, all of these traps for the unwary create legal liability. And I think the message for senior execs in particular is don't allow yourself to be forced into running an unfamiliar process without adequate HR or, or legal support. Louise, can you give a perspective from the angle of a more middle or, or junior manager who is executing perhaps these type of processes?
1: Thanks, I think it goes back to your previous point regarding communications. As you say, it's pretty unknown territory for a lot of people who are working from home, perhaps the first time, certainly for such a lengthy period. And I think junior staff will really appreciate and welcome these communications and support. And there's obviously various ways that can occur, as you say, there's the general catch-ups and chats and things like that but there's a bit of appreciation for a more structured regime, particularly from people who are used to that on a day-to-day basis. So whether that's setting in place time slots for mentoring, for updating their objectives, for conducting ongoing appraisals, it all comes back, I think, to having that routine in place and having that communication gives greater certainty. I think it goes both ways as well, of course. People's roles are tending to it depends on the organization, but there can be shifts in people's roles at the moment. If there are restructures and reorganizations, people are perhaps taking on a greater workload and additional duties. And I think the continued communication gives greater visibility for what staff are doing and how they're coping with it. Yeah, thank you. Continuing with that, a restructure will invariably involve certain people losing their role and leaving the business. When people think about employees being exited from a business, thoughts automatically go to a bitter, contentious dispute. However, I think it's important to remember that there are also, to an extent, happy leavers, particularly among senior executives, people who will often be co-leavers of their own end. Matt, what do you think are the reasons that senior executives particularly will often be in a position to treat an impending exit as a non-contentious departure? Is it the case that these employees often do not view themselves as ever having had real job security? Or are they simply prepared to face the market and are confident in it?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question. And it varies a lot depending on the culture of the organisation concerned. If you've got a place where people have been in the same employment, the same employer for 30 plus years it's always going to be pretty traumatic leaving uh, at any point. It'll always be a big deal, in my experience, and and, and you should take it seriously, uh, even if you think it's going to be net good for you. Uh, in other, both industries or examples, people may have been in a much more uh, unstable environment or, or a more sort of mercenary culture where people come in, do a job of work uh, and go again. And I once wrote some stuff about between the oilist who have been in organisations long periods of time, mercenaries who come and do a job but want to be fairly paid for it and expect to be recompensed when their employment ends, even if it's sooner than was expected. And then this idea of heroes who are people who come in to do a fixing job and may need to be involved in in nurturing efforts that, that could be very important to leading a big change. And, and so you, you get all of these characters at the moment turning up. So you get loyalists who are worried about the, the, the what's happening to their organisation and what's happening to the people and are we being looked after appropriately. You get mercenaries who are, you know, easy come, easy go to some extent on, on their employment, but just want to make sure they haven't been unfairly treated or ripped off. And heroes who are realising it's an opportunity to step up, step in, or, or take on something completely new. And generally speaking, in all three cases, we're looking People who need psychological certainty and safety. They want to know what's going to happen. They want to get some feeling of control, often in a situation where they have very little, and, and they will try in various ways to gain control, uh, or, or you get less uh, helpful behaviour.
1: Following on from that, while it, it might be the case that many senior executives, or at least a certain amount, don't consider there to be job security generally, a number may feel that they personally have stability in their workplace. I think from our experience, this is particularly the case when these senior executives have been employed in the same business for a lengthy period. They've often overseen or managed restructures themselves. When they're suddenly on the other side of the restructure process, it can be an incredibly daunting process. What advice would you give to senior executives in such a situation who are suddenly feeling this loss of control in such a situation? If they suspect that such a move may be on the horizon, are there any preparatory steps you think they can put in place?
2: That's a really tough one sometimes. Um, I deal often with people who are simultaneously leading restructures, including quite technical aspects of it, but they are themselves affected by, and it requires a huge amount of maturity to to do that well. Um, But sometimes what's happening is people aren't actually allowing themselves to admit that something's going on. Um, I was involved in leading a restructure myself once, and I suddenly had to reapply for my own job in the middle of it. And you suddenly think, God, there's a chance maybe they won't give me my job back and and what will happen. And it's a quite emotional moment when that strikes you. I think for the majority of people, they're very professional uh, and they know how to have to manage their emotions about things. It's important to have an outlet for that. And I think, you know, finding people to talk to, whether it's friends, family, colleagues you can trust and be able to be a bit honest about some of the things you're experiencing can be helpful in the long term. What you also see is people kind of stash it away while they're doing the bit where they're managing the restructure and then suddenly it's their turn and if they haven't given it enough thought and they're not really ready it can suddenly hit them like a ton of bricks. So I think it's important for everybody to remember that those who lead restructurings who are going to be impacted by them are being put in quite a complicated situation and they need some extra support.
1: I think that's right and I suppose continuing that question from an employment law perspective Meryl As you say, a senior who themselves has never been the subject of a restructure is particularly unsure about where they should go to for assistance when they're suddenly receiving it due to their long service. They've got a pretty amicable, to an extent, relationship with their employer. What do you think are some preparatory steps they could put in place from a legal perspective? Yes, thanks,
0: Louise. I think that, like everything you have to treat yourself and your exit as, as a project and plan as you would for other other projects. And some people know that they are good at negotiating and they are sophisticated negotiators. Others might be brilliant salespeople, brilliant strategists, whatever their role requires, but they know that negotiation is not their strong point and especially in relation to themselves. So I think it's, it's important really, as Matt has touched on, to, have that self-awareness it's important to if you can pick your timing at a point where you're going to have that bit more resilience you're not exhausted and and dealing with things at the fag ends of the day then you need to get your documents together we often see people who say goodness knows where my contract is you know I joined 30 years ago and I don't know what it says and that sort of thing. We, we can't give good advice without seeing proper information. So it's very important to get your documents together. In a public company situation, it's important to think about what's the remuneration policy? What can the company actually do? And even if it's a private company situation where there's a discretion in relation to variable pay, bonus or options and so on, very important to check what you can ask for. Because I think the way to look at it is that you want to be aspirational and realistic. It's not an either or. You should have a wish list, but you need it to be a realistic one. And one of the questions we often get asked is, well, who should go first? Now, you don't always get that choice. But if you do get that choice, there is definite upside to going first and really trying to anchor the board or whoever you're dealing with to your opening offer. And and therefore, that sort of sets the scene. I think people are often very afraid of going in too low and not making a sensible starting point. But with the right advice, it's a good idea sometimes to go first. Also, I think be aware of your levers in terms not just of what the law says and what you're entitled to, but publicity angles, reputation angles, both for yourself and for the employer. And one point I'd quite like to clarify is the use of NDAs. I think there's been so much negative publicity around NDAs that people come to us saying either they can't do this, they can't bind me by this, and we have to say, well, actually, you have signed up to confidentiality provisions. Or the other way around, they're wanting to use that NDA as a weapon, but maybe feeling they can no longer do so. But actually, as long as you're not using an NDA to cover up wrongdoing, it's still perfectly possible to have adequate confidentiality provisions. And that might be something very valuable to the employer. So where you're entering into a negotiation where if you don't reach a mutual agreement, it could end up in that bitter contentious place that Louise mentioned. The use of confidentiality is another lever that you can use. So in short, really know, know your counterparty, know your documents, and know the law and, and where the other levers are that are going to get you to the best end for you in, in terms of negotiation. Negotiation can be uncomfortable, challenging, and tough, but I believe with the right support, you can be smart, resilient, articulate, and confident, just as you are when you do your day job.
1: Thanks, Marilyn. I think, as you said, that's the key to it being aspirational and realistic. And I think that goes back to a point that Matt made previously, which is that ultimately, if you have the chance to leave well, do it. And I suppose leaving well means lots of different things. But if you have a chance to leave well all around where you're happy and relationships aren't broken, that's a positive way to take forward. I think you said, Matt.
2: Yes, I, I think leaving well is, is something we always advocate. In, in the very long run, and, and a lot of the time we're dealing with the very long run, you only have one reputation to play with. You're not going to lose it over having played a bit of hardball on a, on a leaving negotiation. On the other hand, you are going to re- some of the people you're negotiating with might be the people you're going to ask for a reference fairly soon, and you're going to need to repair relationships probably after a prickly period of negotiation with them before you can get back into professional friendships and so on that you're going to need in your in your next life so we always say to people to try not to leave things in in a complete mess it's not going to help you in the long run and people will remember you better and say nicer things about you and your competence if you've handled yourself in a mature and reasonable fashion on the way out
1: thank you As we said at the top of this, we're currently at the end of July 2020. Many businesses are mindful that we're currently approaching the end of the period. Companies are now making decisions regarding the future of the workforce, effectively lying in the sand time. I'm going to ask both of you, what should senior executives be considering at the present time? What can they do to get their house in order ahead of any possible announcement regarding a company restructure? Do you have any thoughts on that, Matt?
2: Well, I've always suggested to people it's always good to be on the planning side, not the planned side of any discussions like this. So to the extent you're senior enough or in the right place to be um, driving the changes, that always gives you more of a sense of control. So that's that's helpful. Uh, and even if you are planning yourself out of existence, which a lot of people I deal with are in a way that's a stronger place to be than sort of sitting around waiting for somebody else to do that for you or to you. So whether that's an M&A situation or a, or a planned restructuring. I think the, the best senior execs recognise that there's a strategic logic to things, but also an emotional aspect and a financial aspect. You need to know, uh, for example, you know, how long could you cope without a job? It might take a year or more to get something at a very senior level. Uh, and that's something to think about in your settlement is 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 what you're going to need to have to 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 maintain your your current standards of living if that's something you're intent on doing. You need to recognise that the network that you have in this world, in the broadest sense, including potentially your friends in the headhunter world, are going to be important to you, but you might not yet know exactly what you want to do next. So we say to people, don't don't be in a too much of a rush. You don't have to decide while you're still in the turmoil of leaving one organization, exactly what you're going to do next. And the first thing that shows up or the first thing that you discuss might not be the best thing for you. So having people to talk to who can help you think that through is, is useful. Uh, and those people don't have to be specialist professionals. They can be you know, friends, family, colleagues, former colleagues are all useful. And we, we, we'd always uh, suggest to people to reach out and have those discussions and finally, I think making sure that you remain optimistic. It can be quite depressing and difficult going through these things and uh, it takes it out of you. Have a holiday, have a break, take some time out, uh, recover your balance and you'll be um, happier, healthier and in better position to go forward.
0: I think that's, that's ex- excellent advice. And sort of taking a step back if you're at the stage where you're not yet at the exit and looking forward to that holiday opportunities to renegotiate now. For example, if you're being asked to take a temporary pay cut, perhaps you can get something for that, not just money money back, but maybe shorter covenants, or maybe uh, there are things you can do with equity schemes, obviously not just you alone, but if you're talking to a board, are there things that can be done to, to rebase things to ensure that if you deliver now against new KPIs with different strategy, given the COVID situation, that you're fairly rewarded for that. And you're not going to be measured against an old and irrelevant sort of scheme that was put in place nine to 12 months ago. I think it's worth looking at, Looking back a bit at what's been said, whether it's in personal appraisals or whether it's publicly in an annual report and thinking about the story. I think one of the themes we've had in this podcast is taking a long view. So it's important, I think, to look back in order to look forward and say, well, the story was going in this direction. Now X, Y and Z has happened. It's now going in that direction. And how can my personal remuneration, my personal situation be aligned with that and plan in that sort of direction?
2: One of the things that's worth saying is it, 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 it always feels very personal and it almost never is. Um, so, so that's one of the things just to bear in mind that though it feels highly personal and it's about you at some level, there is usually almost invariably a business logic that is driving what is happening. And unfortunate as that is, you are, you are playing a game, if you like, within that logic and, and you've got to try and get your best deal but not at all, and not at all costs, and not at the expense of your own reputation and you know the behaviour you'd like to see in others. So I think that's the thing we try and help people think through is, as you say, a long-term game.
1: I think that's right, Matt. And you said I think that goes back to your earlier point about having a good network around you, a good network of advisors who can assist you with this and work out the best possible deal. And if Things are not quite at the negotiating stage yet, but it looks like they may move there. We're all aware that once that happens, things can move very rapidly at that point. So I think now is a really good time for people to be getting things in order, reviewing the documentation, as you said, Meryl, and perhaps getting a bit of a wish list together for themselves and thinking what would be the most important things for them if they are negotiating their exits. Is a release from restrictive covenants important for them? Do they think it might not affect them particularly because they're going to be out of the workforce for a while anyway? Sometimes garden leave is quite important for senior executives. They want to remain employed. And sometimes people are quite happy to leave quite quickly. So I think it's possibly worth people just considering those things as well at this stage and seeing if they were being exited, what might be some important considerations for them. This has been a really interesting discussion. As we're coming to an end, one question I want to ask you both. For senior executives today who are potentially facing a restructure, perhaps are going to be driving a restructure, potentially leaving their company as a result of restructure are alternatively remaining behind. What general piece of advice would you give them going forward? Meryl, do you have any thoughts on that? I think I do. come back to
0: consider what your immediate goal is, what your medium term goal and what your long term goal is. We are possibly all facing a new normal. So that's the thing to to plan for. And when you're ready and you've done some of the things we've talked about already, then seek appropriate support to successfully execute your plan. And uh, the final thing I'd like to say, it's easy to become isolated, I think, in this COVID situation. And isolation can occasionally lead to a loss of perspective or even paranoia, touching on Matt's point, that you could take it personally. It's almost certainly not personal. And even if it is, You need to get that out of your head and think, okay, I'm now facing, uh, this is my career, my future, my strategy, and I'm going to think long term. I saw that Google had announced recently working from home until July 2021. Goodness knows what certain Googlers thought when they saw that. But once you know what your new normal is, then you can adjust your sights and plan for it. And I think that's a very important lesson.
2: That's very good advice, I think. I, I would I suggest? I think, I think look after yourself physically. Uh, try and do your best to continue to get sleep. Take some exercise. Look after your physical health. You'll be no use to anyone if you, you know, drop dead with the stress. And recognize that although this is very difficult, um, you're probably, as a senior person, in a relatively privileged position in terms of the quality of help you'll get the amount of resources you'll get and the padding, if you like, to, to um, you know, deal with your fall compared to people lower down the organization and make the most of that. But equally, the quid pro quo for that is you'll probably have to you know, be mature, look after the organization as well as yourself, and it might be a long time before you're back in something that feels like a secure environment again. Um, you, you are going to have to drive a lot of that for yourself, and it's going to be quite uncomfortable at times, but it can be a fantastic opportunity. So I think a mindset that's positive and looks forward to the change a bit and, and, and sees it not as all loss is is the one that uh, ideally one can, can get to eventually.
1: I think, as you both said, in a time where... Over the past few months, certainly, where one of the overriding themes has been isolation. As you say, that the message for senior executives here is to not let themselves be isolated going through a process like this. There is a lot of support, assistance out there for people, people who may never have had to avail of it beforehand and may not be sure what is there. And so, as you say, I think it's preparing, working out what your long term goal is and reaching out to the right people to get that advice.
0: So thank you for listening today. Thank you, Matt, and goodbye. Mm -hmm.